Welcome back to another episode of Who's to Say. I'm your host, Tom Foolery. There's been a lot of exciting things going on in my world lately. I'm most excited to share with you that my website, thomaslomenzo.com, is officially live. And this is going to be the one-stop shop for all the goings-on of my passions, interests, activities, work, and play. Uh, Right now, it's oriented around my three core interests, real estate, this wonderful podcast, and coaching. And that's spiritual, mental, physical coaching, career coaching. I I try to dabble in all of it because I know good guidance can be hard to come by. Not that I have all of the answers, but my my real devotion to service is applied in coaching. I think it's one of the best applications of my skills and talents and accrued knowledge, real estate as well. But the coaching sphere, I, I love, especially the conversations that begin with, Tom, what do you suggest for moving, training, eating, reading, things like that. And they start as pretty harmless conversations, but I usually take them to the deep end and really get into it. So once again, that's Thomas Lomenzo, T-H-O-M-A-S-L-O-M-E-N-Z-O.com. And it's live now, uh, for now, until the powers that be may try to go after it. And uh, that's not too ominous of a start because it's really why I am firing up this episode because this idea has almost literally been burning a hole in my pocket for a couple days now. Uh, I'm going to set the stage with my Instagram post from last week because this, this is what really stirred up this indignation in me. And in the limited textual medium of Instagram, obviously it's visual too, but what I'm able to communicate in a caption or in a post is usually insufficient. And I'm also working on my voice there and I'm working on my voice here. So, uh, to, yeah, to, to set the table a little bit, I had post this, posted this visual and I'll call it a visual and, and we'll get into some of the details, but I had seen this in a very, uh, entertaining and reliably insightful Substack post, uh, Boricua Gato, uh, the bad cat, El Gato Malo on Substack covers a lot of the, I, I would say the top of mind issues that we've encountered in the last couple of years, but, uh, he or she, I don't know if it's a male or, or female cat, you Spanish students out there can, uh, can correct me, but, uh, Talk about people who have made accurate predictions and analyses of, of what's been going on, especially in these COVIDian times. Th- that's a substack. The the depth and the analytical knowledge, it, it, it's an absolute treasure trove there. So I was going through this and a recent article that they posted included this visual from the World Economic Forum. And if you're not familiar with the World Economic Forum... I don't know if I can aptly describe that uh, situation in, in a few words, but uh, it's the half of 1% of the most wealthy and influential people in the world, none of whom were asked to convene by us and, and determine what they think is the course in which the world should go. And I joke about this in my in the caption to this post because uh, I've I've been troubled by the name World Economic Forum. I would love a World Peace Forum. I would love a World Love Forum. I would love a World Nutrition Forum. But I think it speaks to where so many of our priorities lie right now. And it is economically oriented. And so these people who convene, they're celebrities, they're world leaders, they're people with uh, inordinate sums of money to their name whom we don't really know. 
But they convene and they pick up the burden of trying to determine the direction in which they think the world should go, hence the World Forum. Uh, and so this particular visual, this, as I, as I jest uh, jocularly, this uh, very understandable pie chart, determines uh, what our diets will look like by 2030, by the year 2030. And in... The upper right and bottom left-hand corners of this graphic, it has the World Economic Forum, and then the bottom left says Source, World Economic Forum 2022. So, uh, but without even looking at that, I was looking at the breakdown of this pie chart. So you can go to my Instagram at Who's to Say Podcast, because it is still up, although you will see on my profile page that this is the only block that is blurred out. And... Uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm on my desktop looking at it right now, and it doesn't have the warnings of it that it does on your phone. Um, but we'll get to the warnings in a second because I want to finish setting the table here. What this pictograph displays are the handful of categories that they're suggesting will uh, define our diet in 2030. So number one is intermittent fasting, which any anyone like me can get snookered into if you're a health aficionado and you think, oh, you know, we've been we've been on the intermittent intermittent fasting train for quite a while now. I'm glad to see there's some more momentum behind it. So it says we will eat 40% less food in 2030 to meet net zero, capital N, capital Z. This is good for our waistlines and good for the planet. You can eat nothing and be happy. So reading that last sentence, you can eat nothing and be happy. Um, it, it did seem a little played out, but if you've been following the World Economic Forum or you've heard this, this line repeated, they are emphasizing this, this lack of ownership, this lack of possession. And the common refrain is you will own nothing and still be happy. And of course, my rejoinder to that at any given time is you first. Let's see you do it first. Uh, but I, I think that underlies some of the potentially uh, disingenuous suggestions they're making. Uh, so you can eat nothing and be happy. I mean, to a degree, I know that to be true. There's worse things than hunger. I've said that before. As we make our way around this visual, though, uh, the next phase or the next suggestion is alternative protein. And it reads that a third of our protein will come from soy-based proteins, lab-grown meat, and upcycled citizens. Now, I'm not familiar with what upcycled citizens means, uh, but soy-based proteins and lab-grown meat. This is where I really started to take issue with what they're suggesting. And I guess I'll take this first moment to say, this is nothing new to me. I, I've been following the dictates of the World Economic Forum for some years now because one of their leaders, Klaus Schwab, in, gosh, I think it was May of 2020, published one of his world-renowned books, The Great Reset. Now, you might be familiar with that moniker, The Great Reset, because there have been a lot of resets taking place since uh, the coronavirus, uh, SARS-CoV-2, first hit the scene. And there have been a lot of people who have jumped on that bandwagon to say, well, this is the time where we really start to embrace mRNA vaccine technology, different supply chain methods, different um, economic methods of, of printing money and, and giving people uh, money to, to incentivize them not to work. All, all of these resets that, again, no one has really voted on, but they've, they have a lot of inertia behind them. 
So, so this is not news to me, but this is when I started to think in reading this, okay, this is something I want to share to bring people's attentions to this. So then they can start to ask questions of themselves. Like first and foremost, does soy-based protein and lab-grown meat, do, do those sound, first of all, do they sound appetizing? Um, and then do they sound sustainable? And what I mean by sustainable is sustainable for us. So these are the things that really bring us health, vitality, longevity. And I'm skeptical based on what I've read and researched on soy-based food and anything grown in a lab. I mean, you, you can, sure, you can grow things in a lab, but meat? Uh, hard to wrap my head around that one. Another phase of this, and this is a, unfortunately a sizable chunk of this pictograph, is micro-livestock. Two-thirds of our protein needs will come from micro-livestock like cockroaches, flies, and worms. So again, I posit the question to you. Does that sound appetizing? Do cockroaches, flies, and worms, and crickets sound appetizing? If they're covered in chocolate, maybe. If they're covered in barbecue sauce, perhaps. But for the most part, and, and trust me, I'm aware in of different cultures around the world who are more accustomed to incorporating things like insects or, or things that we don't necessarily associate as sources of protein in their diets. However, I, I, I'm drawing this back to the sustainability question and the vitality question. Are those really the things that day in and day out will bring us the most nutrient nutrients and nutrient availability? Um, shifting on to a, to a fourth segment of this pictograph, synthetic nutrients. Most fresh fruit and vegetables will be replaced. You could stop the sentence there and... I like to think most of you would disagree. Why, why would we replace most fruits and vegetables? There remains the question, which I love to pepper people with, why are we the only animal species on this earth who doesn't know what the hell to eat? Think of rhinoceros or rabbit, pretty much know what to eat. I mean, they have their programming and conditioning. We are afflicted by an overwhelming surfeit of options at the grocery store. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But uh, fruits and vegetables are supposed to be two groups of things that we can agree on. And and I'm I'm a little more outspoken uh, against. You know, I, I like following the work of Paul Saladino. He even admits that he's extreme. But for people who need extreme shifts, who are not finding success in their diet, sometimes you need to go to an extreme. Unfortunately, we've seen there's a I think it was a recent stu study came out about veganism that something like 70% of people who, who get to be vegans uh, find their way out of it in two years or something like that. But it's it's a very high attrition rate and, and a very low return to veganism. We're talking about things that are unsustainable. So at, at the least, we all might agree on some semblance of balance. Pepper in some vegetables, fruit, meat, protein, uh, some supplements, anything like that. So again, I, I take umbrage with this when they're purporting that most fresh fruit and vegetables will be replaced by supplements made by WEF partnered corporations, World Economic Forum corporations. So again, th this may sound to New World Order conspiracy theory-like, but uh, some of the most prominent corporate partners of World Economic Forum are Purdue, Tyson, uh, Big Ag, Big Food. And, and they're the ones who funnel in a lot of money to create pictographs like this and, and support the World Economic Forum. So to wind this down and, and talk about why 
I'm, I'm on the mic today. Uh, seed oils are the final suggestion for our diets in 2030. Oils like canola are more sustainable, plus reduce levels of toxic testosterone. So we're, we're getting into, you, you hear some of this language, toxic testosterone, uh, and, it, and it may become more evident that this uh, image has, has not been put forward by uh, the World Economic Forum uh, to, to gain some, some notoriety. So fair enough. And, and this is where the crux of the issue is and why I'm talking about who's drawing these lines. So we have this image that I post, and in the spirit of pure candor, I did not really think twice about it. I thought this is a really paramount issue for me and something that a lot of my platform is based on trying to get people to think more critically in general. And even though that that is exhausting discipline work... I, I encourage and I implore and beseech people to think especially critically about what sustains them, what they're putting into their bodies on a daily basis that it, they will be depending on to fire their hearts, lungs, minds, organs, anything like that, which is, which is health. I mean, the optimal function of our, of our um, organ systems and our, our mind-body. So, um, so when I posted this, Almost immediately, I see the blurred out image, and I'm thinking, oh boy, here come the fact checkers. Now, you may think to yourself, where would we be without fact checkers? Thomas, there's so much dis and misinformation and faulty snares that people can fall into on social media, and Lord knows they have. So fair enough. Uh, But there's nothing new under the sun, and there's not too much that's new that comes across my desk. And when the fact checkers first came on the scene in social media in the last year or two, uh, when you, when you look into the fact checking organizations, and so one of them is the Associated Press, there are issues you can take with the Associated Press and where they get a lot of their funding and influence from. Uh, I believe up until somewhat recently, um, one of the uh, CEOs of, uh, or, or one of the uh, board of directors at Pfizer was also on the board of directors at the Associated Press. So where I sit, that's a conflict of interest. If you were to have anyone who was critical of a Pfizer vaccine or past Pfizer uh, behaviors, um, if the Associated Press were to be unkindly to that sort of coverage. But the fact-checking in general, a lot of these organizations, they do have... Ver- just gross conflicts of interest um, or very shady origins or very new origins where, where when they declare themselves to be these bastions of truth verification, you would think that they had been around a long time, like, like any sort of legacy media. Alas, a lot of them have just popped up in the last couple of years and they, they really make their bones on social media. And I'm somewhat impressed and blown away by the fact that uh, this I posted this image, and it was basically immediate that the the image was blurred out, and I, I shared it to my timeline on my personal page. I shared it to my story, uh, and it's blurred out. And then you start to see, you know, if you if you want to see why uh, fact checkers uh, say that this uh, post is faulty, you get the very ominous uh, black and red texts that say this image has been doctored and here are these three independent fact checkers who can verify this. So I had, I had friends and family start to send me this and, and this is partly why I wanted to address this here today. Um, maybe first I'll read my caption cause this, this was somewhat of a failed attempt at irony. 
Uh, but my caption to that post about our diets in 2030 read, Upon discovering these suggestions, I wondered, who could possibly dislike us so much that they would recommend these dietary changes? I'm, I'm trying to be funny here. Uh, I'm also troubled by the fact that the producers of this very understandable pictograph are the World Economic Forum. And in parentheses, I write, how did it come to be that the word after world in this mightily named organization is economic instead of peaceful or loving, etc., 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 as I mentioned earlier? We seem to value the economy of things so highly that we would permit it to dictate what we nourish ourselves with. Despite what some vegetable enthusiasts may purport, although green, you cannot eat money. What sustains, and, what sustains and nourishes you is not only inside of you, which I do believe, I think there's a lot of spirit that just nourishes us without much supplementation, but the things that you know, we, we perceive to make us human and, and give us good life uh, must be complemented by what we eat and drink. There are people in power who, despite their best intentions, only see the parts and neglect the whole, and do more harm than good when hyper-focusing on streamlining, quote, sustainability. And sustainability is a, an unbelievably complex idea that is, as with most things, it's been, it's a buzzword that we think means one thing, and, and it arguably means another. So I wrap up with soy, seed oils, and synthetic nutrients are not the formula for a happy and healthy future. I think they had to throw fasting in there to soften the blow for some health nuts. But eat, so... And then I had to add this in because I saw what happened in the post. And though I am grateful to the quote fact checkers so valiantly doing their work, whether this image is doctored or not, the WEF and others have put initiative behind these quote health suggestions time and again in recent years. Deceiving people will not make eating soy baked beetles any more appealing. And I stand by that. And I stand by what I wrote in a, in a follow-up post addressing this because I was starting to receive texts and, and inquiries from friends and family about, you know, Tom, what, what's going on? Not only what's going on, but why did you post this if, if it is false and why have you left it up and didn't you read the fact checking, et cetera, et cetera. So my rebuttal to this, uh, and, and in the caption I write, there's more to be said, but that's what a podcast is for and why I'll, why I'll be addressing it in some depth here, my greater issue but I wrote that I don't believe this fact check is helpful. While the source may not be the true publisher, these are dictates and ideas that this group has, sh has thrown their weight behind. By slapping red text and a warning label on a blurred photo, they are alerting the good schoolboys and schoolgirls that this is bad and deserves an F for lying. It does not refute the contents or the information. It just makes it look dangerous so people will stay away. This is to say nothing of the allegiances these, quote, fact-checkers have to people who are not you and I, but companies and institutions that are detached from our mutual reality. All this algorithm and tech interference does is draw the line between what can be discussed and what cannot, and that I reject fully. I, felt, I totally felt that reaction of a, quote, bad boy when I saw the notification on my post. I understand the reflex, the, the aversion. But then I remembered... It's not up to them what we get to see and think about and determine to be useful in our lives. I was starting a, discu a discussion that others tried to kill on the vine. And if it's true that in vino veritas, we need time to let these ideas ripen and give them air to breathe. So let's embrace the chance to speak freely, as is our right. And this is why I'm here today addressing this in, in some depth and, and not for too much longer. This is just a quick hitter. But when I said it's been burning a hole in my pocket, I mean, I keep going back to my page 
and to these fact-checking articles. And so, so let me, let me summarize the fact-checking articles because all they say is these, these authors of the fact-checking articles will just say, we researched the WEF Twitter website, YouTube, all the, all these internet databases, uh, to say that, uh, we, we never, they never published this and, and their spokesperson said they never published this pictograph. That is the article. And the point that I'm trying to convey is that they're, they're, they're declaring the whole image and, and because it's a visual app and because social media is so what you see is what you get oriented, which, which I also don't particularly love. Uh, when they slap the blurred algorithm on it and the black text and the, and the see the fact check, see why fact checkers say that this is false. They're letting people know, as I said, to stay away. They're telling them this, this, this information has been deemed. We've, we've checked it out for you. There's no facts here. Uh, you can go on your merry way to your TikTok videos because this, this is not, um, this has been vetted and this is not information that you should trust. And like I said, I don't think that's helpful because the, the sentiments and the ideas and the initiatives in that pictograph are all legitimate. Like I said, I, I've been following this organization because I see, e- even if it's an invisible hand, uh, or, or I, I, do, I do love the uh, imagery that Russell Brand gave in his video. And if you're taking in this video now... Uh, as I did when I saw his, most of what we get is like a slideshow that's right up in front of our face, and all we see is the screen. And underneath it is the old school projector system with people putting in slides. And what's way more important than the slideshow, I think, are the people who are putting the slides into the deck and also selectively choosing which slides go in that deck, which make their way to you. And this is the crux of the issue when we talk about who's drawing the lines between what's visible and invisible, what is true and untrue, what is fact and lie, what can be discussed and what cannot, is I, I really don't think we should have arbiters of that, let alone social media companies. And, and that is who is employing. I mean, this is, this is a meta app. This is a Facebook-sourced app who is employing these fact-checkers. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. I, I find Twitter to be totally unhelpful just by dent of how, uh, how negative it, it mostly is. Um, and it's been a long time since I was on Twitter, but, uh, but because this is the predominant application that I use, I am, am wary of the manipulative nature of something like this algorithm because it, it goes against so much of what I believe in, which is a, a freedom of thought, uh, a, a, a capital F freedom that al- allows us to, or, or, or endows us with the ability to go explore. And like I said, determine what we think is useful, honest, uh, factual. And I mean, it, it is so confusing because here you have me telling you what I think is somewhat factual and helpful in getting a conversation started. And then you have the Associated Press and these handful of fact checkers who say nothing to see here because this is faulty. It's, 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 it's baseless and it's wrong. And it, it's just so confusing. It's so manipulative. It's so deliberate that I, I, I wanted to jump on here and speak a little bit more to it because it's going to come up. As I mentioned in my, in my last interview with David Weck, 
which was so much fun. And I, I hope you've had a chance to listen, listen to it because he, I mean, he, he gives voice to the things that we all have in common, which is movement, which is understanding our bodies, which is trying to achieve balance. And I mean, he, he closed with one of the things that we close with is his wariness of narratives. And, uh, but, but we also talked about, um, just the fact that we do need more open discussion to get to the, you know, what we believe to be the truth of things. And if you have people killing these discussions on the vine, and, and so, as I said to David, something that I'm especially cognizant of and, and something I want to avoid is self-censorship. So I'm someone with less than a hundred followers on that Instagram account and, Instagram saw it fit. Now, special lucky me that that algorithm algorithm will hit me and not someone sharing that, uh, you know, something that that gets fact checked like a like a Joe Rogan or a major podcast platform who has hundreds of thousands of of followers and millions of followers and people who could be influenced and, and, um, you know, either which way. But self-censorship is, I think, arguably more diabolical than censorship. And, and, and it's a domino effect when you get censorship, when you, and and we've been, I mean, the, the, the realm of social media has been rife with this for the last couple of years. You've never heard from some of the people I follow because I've had to track them down on their sub stacks, subscribe to their newsletter, their seasoned journalists, their experts in data analysis, their prolific and entertaining writers. And you've never heard of them because they were kicked off of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram long ago. 2020 or 2021 year. Now we're talking years ago and, and some of them might not come back. I mean, Alex Berenson is one famous name because he's, uh, he was involved in litigation with Twitter to, because they shut his, uh, Twitter account down with no, uh, real validity in 2021. Um, and so, and so he's fought back and, and will likely be reinstated. But again, I, I, totally take offense to the fact that a bloody social media company would take away someone's ability to enter into the public square and, and also to make a living as a journalist, you depend on an audience, especially as an independent journalist, which is sort of what I do here. I mean, there's a lot of independence that I depend on to be able to reach out to people. And I've, I've heard him talk about just what it's like when you, when you now live in total obscurity and people think that you're persona non grata because your Twitter account was deleted. Because he was saying things like, I think the vaccines are porous. I think even if you get vaccinated against COVID-19, you, you will likely still get COVID. They're not the end-all be-all. All things that are now part of the mainstream. And so go ideas. I mean, you know, m- most ideas that go against the mainstream are ridiculed and denied, and then they're widely accepted. I think that that's a... Uh, paraphrase of a Schopenhauer quote. But to bring this to its natural conclusion, somewhat of a, of a warning and, and a bit of encouragement is that w- when you see the winds of censorship start to blow stronger, you have to batten down the hatches, especially for yourself. And as we become more adventurous and candid in our discussions, even among each other, and I'm always trying to push the envelope of this in my social encounters, with my dear friends and family, people whom I, I know will engage with me uh, honestly and earnestly. Self-censorship is really the, the end of the game. Uh, censorship kind of kicks it off 
But uh, and and of course that I, I'm fighting against by I mean I'll continue to share things that even if they run counter to whatever narratives are out there, if I think they're important for you all to to hear or see or reflect on, I'll be sharing that. You can count on me for that. My my website is going to be a place for that too. I'll lean into Instagram as best I can. Um, certainly a lot more visual audio stuff coming from me, just stuff I want to riff on and and put out there in short form on an Instagram post. But um, I, I, I continue with my, uh, or, or I'll conclude rather with my, um, with, with my hope that you, you, no one will self-censor, that you would ever think that there's nothing that you can't discuss. And <laughs> I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it, so it's probably good that I wind it down here. But the, these things really do make my blood boil um, in a good way, you know, not, not to boil over and lash out. Um, I, I want to try to reason through these things and, and channel my emotion into, into some logical thinking, but we just see too many signs of, especially how detached we are from the real powers and influence to, to think that you can't be social and sharing enough. And, th- and this is, I, I joke that sharing is caring, but just to share things right or wrong, true or false, just to get it out there, and get feedback, not from what the algorithm has to say, but I, as, I, as I texted back my friends and family, and thank you to those of you who did engage with it, when they sent me the screenshot and said, here are the, here are the fact check articles, and I was able to engage with them and share with them my position. I mean, that's what really gets me fired up more than anything is a, is a discussion and not have the iron curtain dropped on, no, you can't talk about this. That is, that is a major inspiration for why I decided to create a podcast and pursue, you know, be more outspoken, encourage and and invite more conversation, because that's the last thing I want to happen. Joe Rogan has said this time and again, and even though it sounds cliched, um, the antidote to bad speech is better speech. It's not no speech. It's not censorship. It's not no, you can't say that. It's Let's give air and voice to people who can combat this idea, disprove it, show, show any sort of silver lining of truth, but we, we do need more speech. We need, we need more people sharing their experiences, their insights, their education to better arrive at some sort of understanding and comprehension. And that's what I'm about here. And so I'm, I'm grateful for you tuning into this today so I could explain my situation a little bit more. Uh, it's probably won't be the last time that I share something that looks controversial, but in my reality is going to be helpful because it's going to start a discussion. And as I said, um, hopefully kick off more critical analysis analysis of the things that apply to us all, like our diets, like the things that give us life, longevity, vitality. And you know, I'm bringing you all that content because I care about you. I want people to, and I, and I hope and I encourage people to pursue their fullest potential awareness, consciousness, to have an amazing and energetic mind-body. So that's my positive note to end on. Uh, a little preview for what's to come next is a tribute to, I would have to say, my paramount role model in sports, Roger Federer. He recently retired, if you didn't know, and he is very much deserving of a 
lengthy emotional tribute from me. So that's what's coming up next. But as always, I'm grateful to you for tuning in to another installment of Who's to Say with me, Tom Foolery. And until next time, keep doing the hard work of thinking for yourself day in and day out. And I'll be with you or I'll be thinking of you until the next time you hear my voice. So take care.